This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, you're just like me. Hey, we have a lot in common. Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, not me, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Walk down, Khalil Mack! Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast on Sunday, December 27th. Why do I do that? I never even checked the date. Who cares? The Bears win 41 to 17 over the Jacksonville Jaguars to, uh, I don't know what to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, control their playoff fate going into their week 17 matchup against the Green Bay effing Packers. How did we get here? How did we get to this place where the Bears control their own playoff fate? They get to play their chief rival on the last day of the regular season. I have no bad memories associated with that sort of matchup whatsoever and what it means. Why is Chris Conte flashing in my head and I hear a wooga noises and I'm blacking out? Look, I think you, me, everybody knew that the Bears were going to win this game. And I say that now, in hindsight, with no fear whatsoever. Um, look, I really I really didn't have any concerns about this game being a win. I think my main concern was injury. Uh, and my secondary concern was that we would not look that great and it would make me all huffy and upset going into this next week against a quote-unquote real opponent. I think that was the biggest concern. But, you know, I, I, th- I think it went pretty good. I'm going to say it went pretty good. And, um, you know, I I don't have a reputation as being an incredibly positive human being on this uh, podcast. I'd like to think I am in real life, in regular life, in waking, walking, non-digital ones and zeros life. Maybe it's because I get it all out here. But honestly, look, the score is 41 to 17. If you told me at any point three weeks ago, four weeks ago, make it four now, any point during that losing streak that the bears would score 41 points in an entire game on a Sunday, I would have punched you right in the face. It's Bush. It's Bush league. Shouldn't say that to a bears fan. And yet here it is. I'm looking at it on my screen. It says 41 points and it really wasn't all that impressive on offense. There were a lot of things that you could bitch moan and complain about. And I will, but um, again, I think we should start here, which is, the Mike Glennon unvenge game. 
I thought about this earlier this morning. What is the opposite of revenge? I I don't really. There's not really a word for it. Uh, you know, revenge, vengeance again. So what is no vengeance? Unvenge. Invenge. Unvenge. The Mike Glennon unvenge game, where he did all the Mike Glennony things, and I I want to start here. It's got to be a little rough being Mike Glennon. Let's put aside the fact that he, you know, stole or worked his way into or was well positioned as a backup to fool Ryan Pace. Not that hard. Into giving you a lot of money to play quarterback. Um, he's really bad. And here is my prediction that I think we just saw Mike Glennon's last professional football game. So here's where I'm coming from with that. And I hope it's not true, but he has many years forth if that's what he wants of playing the game. But look, he uh, he, he bounced out of Chicago just about as quickly as he arrived in the 2017. This is, this is my year year where he was gone after four games and then bounced around the league and was on hard knocks uh, with the Raiders and just looked terrible to the point that uh, – Gruden openly seemed to favor Nathan Peterman over him to the point that Nathan Peterman is still on that team. Mike Lennon is not. Then he ends up backing up Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, sort of at the absolute, you know, edge of the precipice uh, of, of, you know, quarterbacking in the NFL. And look, they have now clinched with their loss. This is not a Jaguars podcast. They have now clinched with their loss, the number one pick in the draft, which will be Trevor Lawrence, unless Trevor Lawrence uh, decides he doesn't want to play for that franchise. Uh, I don't kind of don't see that coming. doesn't feel like what's going to happen. And so clearly Mike Glennon won't be on the team next year. I believe he's out of contract and they still have Minshew. So they clinch the number one pick. Doesn't matter if they win next week at all, which means Minshew will win. And here's the ouchy part. Here's the part where you go home at night and go, that fucking hurt. That doesn't feel good to be Mike Glennon in this moment, which is Gardner Minshew is healthy and he's the starting quarterback of the team until next year, which means the coaching staff and the word from up on high was, uh, we really need to lose this game. So let's play Mike. And that's what I mean by ouch, which is your team, the one that employs you to play, believes that you're going to lose the game for your team. And when incentivized to lose, we're going to put you front and center. And that's sort of an ouch. And uh, that's got to feel not great. So I, I feel as bad as you can feel for a extremely well-paid second to third string quarterback uh, in his possibly final start. In the league, who knows? Maybe somebody else needs him next year as a backup. If it's the Bears, I'll kick rocks. Uh, on the other side of the ledger, let's fucking talk about Mitch. God knows I want to talk about Mitch. So, first of all, let's start with the good. Let's start with the good, which is that the Bears have uh, an offensive identity now. It's the RPO, uh, bootleg, stretch out. Um, halfback toss play action game. Uh, and, and frankly, God bless either Bill Lazor or the combination of Lazor and Nagy and whoever else is in these meetings pushing it. But after, you know, 16 weeks of, of football, and I guess I should say 32, 33 weeks of football, because this was all last year too, the Bears finally have an idea of what they want to accomplish on offense and seem to have a decent plan about how to how to do it. Trubisky was bad today, and I think anybody who watched the game with me would say it's not his worst performance, but it's the fact that the Bears have an offensive identity and have a plan in place that allows Mitch to be this bad and win 41-17. to So, like, both these things can be true, that he wasn't good and that the Bears had enough going on otherwise to, to not let Mitch sink the ship. So here's the couple things. One, one, what the fuck was that pick? What the fuck was that pick? Ah, it's the end of the second quarter. The bears are driving. It's incredibly easy. 
the the short area passing game, I'm going to rail on the amount of running the Bears did early on in this game, how few carries David Montgomery had early on. I'll get to that. But if you look at the tape, which I've watched the highlights, and if you look at the box score, the short passing game was working all day, and obviously was the game plan for this team going in, knowing that nobody could cover Bears receivers. First and foremost, Allen Robinson, who was just an automatic 11 yards every time he touched the ball. I mean, he literally was uncoverable. 13 targets, 10 receptions, over 100 yards again, 103. Um, and again, just simply uncoverable. So I understand that part of it. Uh, it it's always really off-putting as a Bears fan when you can see that the offense is being uh, turned over to Trubisky to throw, to throw, not with his legs, but to throw. Uh, it just never feels like it's going to end well. And so back to the pick, it, it's first down, you're in the red zone, there's plenty of time left, 50 seconds left, I think when he hikes the ball, maybe a little less, doesn't matter, inconsequential. And it's just the most eighth grade, high school, horrible, unconscionable throw into quintuple coverage. Who was the name of that guy that was like the 17th string quarterback for the Broncos earlier this year when all of their uh, quarterbacks went unmasked and all got all knocked out with uh, maybe COVID? Uh, I don't mean to make light of COVID. I just, I'm on a roll here. Let me go. He wouldn't have made that fucking throw. Whatever his name was. I already forgot. I, I'm sorry I forgot you. One start, fourth string, fifth string. Broncos quarterback that nobody on the team even knew before he took his first snap. He wouldn't have thrown that fucking throw. And I think on some level I'm thankful because we need these reminders. We need these reminders as we head towards this final game and as we head into the offseason that Mitch is Mitch. He'll always be Mitch. He's not going to un-Mitch. Mitch will Mitch until he decides to stop Mitching in the game of football. He will make unconscionable, unforgivable, unprofessional, unacceptable throws at 1.3 of them a game. I'm being nice. Could be like 1.7. It might be down a little bit from what it was before. It's... It's the sort of thing that reminds me of players like uh, Cade McNown. Although Cade McNown, I mean, this is dumb throwback shit nobody wants to listen to. Skip, skip, skip. 30 seconds ahead. Cade McNown would just sort of like wait in the pocket and then chuck up a ball, a deep ball, that the receiver and the cornerback had been parked under for 13 seconds before it landed. Just no timing whatsoever. Uh, you know who it reminds me of, and this will date me, is Mike Tomzak, who, you know, had a, first of all, Mike Tomzak was a UDFA, not a first round pick that got picked over fucking Mahomes and Watson, but uh, he would look good and make throws and you think he's the guy, Tomzak I'm talking about, and then he would just throw the dumbest pick in the world, the dumbest pick, the dumbest pick, and you just knew he wasn't going to be the guy, and that was the beginning of of my life as a Bears fan beginning to understand that quarterbacking was not going to be part of the franchise. It went from Tom Zach to Harbaugh and then tumbled off the motherfucking cliff of competent quarterback play. And here we are, 30 years later, watching Mitch throw a, a fucking red zone pick with 50 seconds left in the second quarter into quintuple coverage and listening to Rich Gannon say that wouldn't happen in, in a high school game. Let's read an ad. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and play playment? Playment is a different thing. Payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. 
posting a job after this for reading ads. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, I feel a little better. I got it out about that pick, and now we can talk about the Bears and Trubisky a little better. Uh, first of all, and again, let me reiterate, the quick passing game worked great. Mooney, who I thought had more than in his stat line of four for 39, but I think they were all critical throws, or sorry, critical catches. Um, he didn't throw them. And uh, between him and uh, Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham, a reappearance of Jimmy Graham, when I, I had thrown him long out to pasture, two touchdowns, four catches, 69 yards, uh, and he he could have had another good one as well. Uh, five targets overall. Really efficient quality day from him catching the football. And he was uh, open quite a bit. Quite, quite a bit. So uh, you got to feel good about the Bears' plan, even though it took until the third quarter explosion for things to really feel better. Um, I, I was shouting at the half, you know. I, the Bears were lucky to be up, first of all. The, the game begins and, you know, you're – let's just take it like little by little, right? For me, here's what I was looking for going into this game. Nobody get hurt. The offense can't implode and look truly terrible. And the defense needs to get right immediately. Mike Glennon is moving the ball down the field with ease, converting on third down, whether it's short or long. Uh, I can't say enough how little the Jacksonville Jaguars have on the field right now. Even their best running back, who was a UDFA rookie coming into this year, and a bit of a revelation, no joke, Robinson is being held out for an ankle. They're giving you the game, and the defense just gets mauled. There's no pass rush to speak of whatsoever, which is a problem that lasted throughout the game. Look, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's like say it out loud. You know, if you hold it inside, it stays there for good. If you if you talk it out, it can pass on through. The pass rush sucks right now. It sucks. And a lot of that is because Khalil Mack just ain't right. He's not close to right. I don't know. It's sort of in that weird melange of NFL injuries where it's kind of everything and he practices in a limited way once during the week and then suits up as a questionable on Sunday. And you just know, like, as soon as the season is over, whenever that is, we're going to hear the stories of what Khalil Mack played through just to put the pads on on a, on a Sunday afternoon. But what can you say? The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding sucks. There's no pass rush in the pudding. It's a bad analogy. Uh, look, Akeem Hicks, he's got a bad ankle. Uh, he looks a step slow. He's looked a step slow. He's still in there gutting it out and was doing a lot of woofing early on, trying to get the energy up, which I appreciate. Bilal Nichols is the find of the year. He's going to get himself a bag before this is all said and done. Robert Quinn, uh, again, more or less uh, invisible today. Just no power to his game. It's just sort of like a rush around the edge getting pushed up the field, and that's sort of the end of things. I don't know what to say. He's, uh, he's simply not that good. And um, and the aforementioned uh, Khalil Mack is just not there. So, you know, the Bears got a sack. When was that sack? Oh, Danny Trevathan. Trevathan got a sack. He did on a blitz. And there were a couple of linebacker blitzes today. I guess they knew they might need those. And then Bilal Nichols got a hit. And so, uh, is that it? Oh, Mario Edwards Jr., who, uh, in a brand new methodology of not getting flagged when hitting the quarterback, threw his arms to the side and ran chest first into Mike Glennon, which I thought was a brilliant idea. You know, I, I think let's let's have that be the way this is done from now on. Anyways, Glennon's a statue and a ball holder, and to get sacked once for three QB hits, especially after the Jaguars' left tackle went out early in the game, ugh, it doesn't feel good going into next Sunday against the Packers, which is all this is about. Ugh. Um, what else can you say? I think, um, 
Roquan Smith had one of his best games as a bear simply from a turnover standpoint in getting two picks, which I, you know, it feels like that should have happened sooner than now, just given the quality of his coverage and how good he is today. But look, two picks for the guy. He got his Pro Bowl snub this week. I frankly can't fucking believe Roquan Smith didn't get into the Pro Bowl. It's sort of insane to me. Um, but what do I know? I'm a big homer. He's really good. And two more, two picks today sort of cements it. It makes you wonder, like, if he'd had a couple splash plays like this prior to the voting, if he would have been in, because that feels like the sort of thing that Pro Bowl voting is all about. Nevertheless, a couple things about Roquan. One, really understand why he's not on the offensive side of the football, because as soon as it's in his hands, uh, he can't wait to cough it up to the point that he coughed it up and then got hit really strangely after his first pick, uh, trying to recover it, and got injured. And I'm really thrilled to be able to say he came back into the game. It seems kind of shouldery, like he got his shoulder boshed one way or another, but it didn't look good. And uh, it, it it's great that he finished the game, or at least played out the game as long as the starters were in. Uh, and it looks like the Bears are going to have dodged a bullet with him. Phew. Uh, he, he's the most important uh, defender we have at the second level, and it's not particularly close. And then uh, the rest of the team, fine, fine. It was really just about making sure nothing crazy stupid happened. I will say, Kendall Vildor, who, again, I, I think we need to put this in the proper context of, he's like a fifth-round pick, a rookie. He's sort of represented himself well. I don't, I haven't seen a huge drop-off from Jalen Johnson to him to the point that we you know, are sitting around with breathlessly awaiting if Jalen Johnson and his uh, shoulder can come back in. It is a little worrisome now that it's been two weeks and we haven't heard from Jalen Johnson, given that his surgically repaired shoulder was the thing most people were worried about going into the draft, the reason why he dropped into the second round, given his talent. I don't know when we might see him. I hope it's for this next week. But if it's not, I don't feel terrible with Kindle Vildor in there. And I, again, great name, Kindle Vildor. If his name was Greg Smith, wouldn't feel as good about it. Uh, and that's sort of it in terms of the Bears' defense. Uh, offensively, look, like I said, the um, the mix was off early on. I think uh, David Montgomery had eight runs in the first half. And boy, was I bitching about it. Hooey, did I send some texts. But then I looked at the play-by-play and looked at the, the stat sheet for every single run. Uh, you sort of can't blame the Bears for playing the way they did. There were a lot of one-yard, two-yard gains. He was getting hit in the backfield. There was penetration in the middle today. I don't feel like Montgomery was just like chewing off huge chunks of yardage with every single handoff. And it was obvious that the Bears had a plan that was working. It's not just that they wanted to get a little pass happy, but it was working. You know, like you were getting conversions on that to the point that, let's see, I think the Bears went 6-for-12 on third down, which... These are miracles, folks. We're witnessing miracles that from from the halcyon days of like week nine, where the Bears would go like one for eleven on third down, six for twelve, a fifty percent ratio is aces. And then add in fourth down, two for two on fourth down conversion, aces. We'll take that. This is a winning formula, and I think if you hearken back, all we'd ever asked for was complimentary football that was entertaining that gave the Bears an opportunity to win. And so against the worst team in football actively trying to lose on the penultimate Sunday of the year, the Bears did what they had to do in the third quarter, put the game far out of reach, and made it a laugher. You know, they were actually able to get the starters out and get them a little bit of rest as well, which I think is all we could have asked for. The Canaries in the coal mine for next week, which is what we're going to have to talk about here going forward, is that uh, the run game stuttered a little bit. Mitch, Mitch, super, super, super hard. There were a couple throw, you know, a couple deep throws. He had a, he had an absolute ace touchdown available to Komet, who was breaking out downfield, had stacked on top of two guys. Mitch overthrew him. Uh, there is the quintuple coverage. Worst throw of Mitch's career. It's the worst interception of Mitch's career. It's the worst. Can someone, I don't know if somebody's got the free time to do this or the wherewithal, can you make a supercut of Mitch's worst, let's say, 25 picks? That, 10, 10 picks, your worst 10 picks, worst 10 picks of his career. 
Someone put that together because it will be some of the worst film in football history. I'm still going back about the Mitch pick. It's so bad. It's so bad. It makes me so bummed out for the possibility of what can be. But you know what doesn't bum me out? A couple things, guys. They're all personal things. You're going to care deeply. This is like my own personal version of bragging about my fantasy team. First of all, I made two bets going into this season. I live in Oregon. I live in Portland, which means that the state lottery, uh, <laughs> the state lottery, isn't that funny how lottery just means gambling, but nice. Uh, the state lottery runs a sports gambling app that uh, you can freely deposit your own money into and it works and doesn't come from some strange shady overseas thing that you may or may not get your money back from one day. Uh, I made two bets going into the season, which at various times have seemed brilliant and fucking stupid. The two bets were the Bears to make their win total over under and going over eight wins. Over eight. So... At the beginning of the season, I was laughed at by some friends and called a, a tremendous homer. And they're not wrong, but I saw a path. I'd, I'd gone game to game, and I saw a path to nine with a possibility of ten. That's where I was. Uh, and then the Bears are five and one. And lo and behold, I sent some of the most scathing text messages. That just, just, yeah. I was mean. I was mean that it was uh, money that was in the bank, money that you could basically count. Just looking at the rest of the schedule, it seemed unconscionable that the Bears wouldn't get at least to eight for a push and almost definitely to nine. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, bet number two that I made with the state lottery was the Bears to make the playoffs. And I made these bets in, mm, I want to say April. I'm going to say April. And the reason I mentioned that as something important is that this is before the NFL even decided to expand the playoffs. So the odds I got are good. And then the NFL was like, ah, shit, the Bears suck. You know what? Let's make it a little easier on Zach so he doesn't lose all his money. We're going to add a seventh playoff team. And if COVID decimates all this stuff further, we'll add an eighth playoff team. And the bet is the bet. And it doesn't matter that it, it, these are cheapo playoff spots. All that matters is the Bears make the playoffs. That's the letter of the law of my bet. Anyways, if you talk to me uh, after the Detroit Lions loss, if these bets had been written on paper, I would have torn them up. I would have set them on fire and then wiped my ass with the ashes. I don't know why I would wipe my ass with ashes, but I would just to prove the point of how dead I thought those bets were. I thought they were absolutely money spent. And, uh, you know, here we are, guys. It's eight and seven. It's eight and seven. The Bears are eight and seven because the Arizona Cardinals lost to the San Francisco 49ers. God bless them. All we have to do is beat the Green Bay Packers next week, who officially will need to win that game to secure the one seed based on the way things uh, fell out in the NFL today. So they will be playing. They'll be playing all four quarters. They will want it. All we have to do is beat the Green Bay Packers in week 17. And this team is in the fucking playoffs. Pay me both bets, nine wins in the playoffs. I get to see playoff football. I get to see all this stuff come through in the end. I get to see all the suffering, the collective suffering that we've all done lead to all we've ever could have asked, which is a playoff weekend where anything is possible. I do think that the NFC being as milquetoast as it is this year, if, 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 if the Bears get into the playoffs, I could totally see them winning one game. Just the way they're playing football right now. The general sense of how this team is playing football means they should have a chance on any given Sunday chance which is fucking crazy to see. Uh, I got to read a couple more ads and they'll come back and kind of go through a couple numbers and then let's talk about it. Let's talk about that matchup. Let's talk about the Green Bay Week 17 Demons. Let's fucking talk about it. Be right back. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day, you addict. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. I, sorry about that addict thing. I'm also one. It's just a self-reflection uh, you know, thing. It's about me. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Read it twice. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so let's put a bow on this game that sort of matters, doesn't matter, at least in terms of the final score and how that all fell out. But the the Bears, look, 28 first downs to 14 for the Jags. I think more important than what the Jags did is just there are some certain bellwethers I've been stra- uh, tracking all year in terms of what a – productive and positive game for the bears and the bears offense looks like. And the 400 yard mark is usually a pretty good indicator of how things went. They've only eclipsed it a couple times, but even being near it in the 375 to 400 zone usually bodes well. Uh, and the bears had 391 today. And then remember they called off the dogs way, way early. Uh, I think with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was Nick Foles time, Nick Foles back in Jacksonville. There's another humbler for you. Uh, honestly, the QB carousel of Jacksonville and fucking Chicago should be set on fire and and shot out to sea. My God. Uh, Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, Mitch Trubisky, mix it up, uh, put it in a pie, bake it, take it out, throw it in the garbage. Um, Yeah, the Bears had 391 yards, could have had 400 pretty easily. Only 5.6 yards per play, which isn't great at all. Um. But I don't think the point today was to really run it up, and they weren't in a position to have to need to. So I can't be too mad. Again, the third down efficiency and the fourth down efficiency were great. Um, the red zone, four, four or six times in the red zone, a couple things. One, for the third time, for the last time, I'll never say it's the last time. I'm going to mention it like six more times before this podcast is over. The fucking Mitch pick. The Mitch pick. God. God. The we can't have nice things Mitch pick. And then in the first quarter, when the Bears are really in a position to put the game, uh, just create a little bit of distance and some safety and let the defense rush the passer if they could, they have first and goal on the one-yard line. And look, I've been watching other games around the NFL with this like squinty Bears eye where I look at their failures and bad play calls and unbelievable things that happened. And I realized, you know what? Every team in the NFL is going to do dunderheaded things. And it's just the narrative around Nagy and his play calling and his red zone galaxy brain bullshit that makes me feel this way. But it's first and goal at the one yard line. First and goal. And David Montgomery is the hottest running back in football. And the bears are fixed. I think we can say in the interior of the offensive line and the first down play call is a jet sweep to Cole Komet. Now it's a creative play call. I think it's really interesting to call it. Here's the problem with it. It's the second down play call. The first down play call is the fastball. You, you throw your fastball so they don't know how to hit your changeup. The fastball is David Montgomery up the gut. And I urge you, I beseech you to go back and watch that specific highlight because the Bears hike the ball and there are two of the most massive holes in the line for David Montgomery to waltz through. Later, he would waltz through that same sort of thing. And uh, Artavis Pierce would waltz through that same sort of hole. So there's this galaxy brain fucking idiot thing where it's, I've schemed up something cool it's Cole Komet getting the ball off of a fake, and the Bears didn't block it up. Um, there, there's a defender in the backfield that meets Cole Komet right in the face, but it's unnecessary on first down, and I think that's the galaxy brain part of this. You don't have to do it right away. If you run Montgomery on first down and it doesn't work, which it would have, 
I understand, hey, we're going to line it right back up, same formation, make it look the way it did before, and then we'll do this jet sweep thing because they've already got an idea of what we do out of this formation and that in terms of the appearance we're giving is we believe we can run it down your throat, didn't work first down, watch it work second down. That would have made sense to me. And then on third down, the Bears throw it to Allen Robinson, who's been isolated on one side. It's a good throw. Uh, Robinson bobbles it out of bounds, and it's a field goal after first and goal at the one-yard line. And against, and again, the prism of all of this is against a better team. Against a better team, that's a killer. It's a killer, 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 killer. Uh, I understand the Bears scored touchdowns on the other four trips to the red zone. Huzzah, hurrah. I'm really pleased about it. But that drive right there and Mitch's end of first half drive, I was irate. On the plus side of the ledger, I think we can maybe say, and the only maybe is that the Bears have beaten up on fourth graders here for the last few weeks, is that maybe the third the third quarter woes that have followed the Bears all season long can sort of be put to bed. This is now three straight weeks that there's been positive uh, football being played in the third quarter, and the Bears this was their best third quarter of the year and it's not particularly close. They came right out of the gate. They got the ball right away and I was ready to be so mad. I, the, the pump was primed. I'm just going to say the pump was primed. They come right out and it's 11 plays, 77 yards for a six minute drive for a touchdown. Just beautiful, beautiful. And you know, Mitch runs in the, uh, the, the touchdown play in the red zone. I will say that uh, something, a point I, I meant to make earlier, which is Mitch really didn't have a whole lot when it came to running the football today, whether it was the bears trying to keep him safe or just not part of the game plan. I think that's sort of the part that kills me, which is baked into the game plan needs to be third down short area throws, where if it's not there, Mitch has been rolled out and is in a place to gain it with his legs because if you watch that, like uh, the the Cardinals 49ers game uh, yesterday, it, Kyler Murray, and again, no athletic comparison between Kyler Murray and Mitch Trubisky, but uh, I believe that the Cardinals converted on three straight fourth downs, given that they would hike the ball and there would be a one second pause, and then Kyler Murray would do his RC car jitterbug thing and just gain those yards. It was sort of unstoppable. And in this one, Mitch had uh, two carries for 10 yards. I don't know, man. It's just not enough. It needs to be a, a an element of the Bears' offense that teams have to game plan for and that the Bears count on. Those short area uh, third down conversions, I would say a third of them to a half of them need to be put on Mitch's legs because that's what he's got. It's super, super important to this team going forward, and it opens up all kinds of things for other players, whether it's tight end crossers, whether it's uh, you know David Montgomery out of the backfield. Really a critical element that I wish the Bears were emphasizing a little bit more. Uh, what else can you say? Uh, Cole Komet uh, targeted six times, only two catches. Just really couldn't get it together today. Again, there is that deep shot that should have happened, didn't happen. Uh, and then there's Anthony Miller. And I mentioned him because the Bears game today was a short area, quick passing, uh, slant-based game. And that should be an Anthony Miller game. Uh, Mitch had 35 throws, 265 yards, a 7.6 average, which is meh. Um, Anthony Miller, two catches for 10 yards. He is not going to make it to a second contract with this team. If he does, it's going to be for cheapy cheaps because he's pretty much been legislated out of the offense. Darnell Mooney, four for 39, the clear starter for this team. His hands are so much more secure. I've seen him fight for first downs. He makes heady plays. He doesn't put the ball on the ground. He dropped his very first pass of the year today and then came back on the very next play and got a first down. He's a better football player. And if you're Anthony Miller, uh, it's got to be really hard to hear. But the proof is in the pudding. Again with the pudding. The proof is on the tape. The tape shows it. Don't mind me today. And um, he just hasn't been able to put it together. It's inconsistent. And uh, he is the Mitch Trubisky of wide receivers. I'm really sorry to see it. Whatever they have, they've given it to each other. They keep passing it back and forth. Uh, it, it isn't very good. Um, and so, next week. First of all, my question about the Green Bay Packers uh, game next week is, can it get flexed to Sunday night? Because then we have the possibility of seeing Midnight Mitch. Uh, Sunday flex uh, NFL... Week 17. 
Let's see what we get there. No game will be flexed to Sunday Night Football in Week 17. What? Oh. Oh. The league explained its decision by saying it did not want to risk putting a game with no playoff implications on New Year's Eve, a night when viewers are either out of the home or watching New Year's specials. It's New Year's Eve on the Sunday night? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please don't drink too much on New Year's Eve this year. It's been a long year, and you've made it 364 and a half of the days. If the Bears shit bed for just voraciously and and Chris Conte their way out of the playoffs, even though it's being given to them on a silver platter, don't just turn to your New Year's party and couch alcoholism in celebration. Don't do it. Call 1-800-ZACK. That's, that's the whole number, four digits. Uh, and and I, let me talk you through not drinking too much. Okay, well, okay, so that means that um, the Bears game will go off as planned. Holy shit. So uh, sorry for the like the doing this on the fly. It's not fun, and you have to hear a bunch of clickety-clacking, but like week 17 schedule, because the only other game that matters is the Rams-Cardinals. Again, this has all fallen out so well for the Bears. They've gotten so, 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 so much uh, help. All right, so let's see here. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. So Sunday, January 3rd. All right. I'm not going to try to figure this out because I'm stupid uh, and it's just dead air. But it's January 3rd is New Year's Eve. Or sorry, is uh, <laughs> January 3rd is New Year's Eve. January 3rd is going to be week 17 Sunday. So what the hell? Why the hell couldn't that be? Why couldn't they have a Sunday night game? I All right. I'll just accept it because it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. So the Bears... Play the Packers in Chicago, according to this website. No, yeah, it's NFL.com. Should be right. At 10 a.m. Pacific time, big nooner, high noon in Chicago. And then the Cardinals play the Rams that afternoon. So here's how it's going to play out for us emotionally. We're going to abjectly fear this game against the Packers and uh desperately want them to win it but if they don't and i'm not going to say when they don't because i hold out hope there's a the, the way the bears are playing right now the way they uh care um yeah it's not impossible it, it's not the most likely thing in the world but it's not impossible that the bears beat the packers and if they don't there's still a chance to back our asses into the playoffs because the Rams, who are now 9-6, and six, are going to be playing the Cardinals. And it's in L.A., which shouldn't matter. But uh, the Rams are a really good football team. And they have now been busted by the Jets and by the Seahawks two straight weeks. And I do believe that their playoff life is on the line. Let's see what the playoff picture says. Clickety-click. Do-do-do-ba-dee-ba-dee. Uh, Okay, scenarios, tie-breaking procedures, that's not helpful. Why do you listen to this? Uh, standings, playoff picture, come on now. Okay. No, no, no. I apologize for this. Look, uh, here's what I can see. Scenarios for the Rams. Jesus Christ, you stupid thing. The situations for the Rams. Okay. Uh, is it possible that they can lose next week and get bounced out of the playoffs? All right, I'm going to fucking pause this thing and figure it out because God forbid you have to listen to this anymore. I will pause. 
I will find out if the Rams can get knocked out in this game against Arizona. Doesn't really matter, but now I have to know. And I'll be right back. Holy shit, you guys. I just learned so many things. So first of all, I think the no week 17 game thing. Holy shit. <laughs> I just went back and looked. Uh, that's from three fucking years ago. I really apologize. It's totally not it. It's totally possible for a game to get flexed to Sunday Night Football next week. I would go back and edit that out, but I want you at home to know how stupid I am for having stuck with that. So, here's the scenario. First of all, breaking news, the Rams fear that Jared Goff's thumb is broken and he may not be able to play next game and his season might be over. They'll know more in the next 48 to 72 hours. Holy shit. Number two, if the Bears beat the Packers and the Cardinals beat the Rams, the Rams will miss the playoffs. So the Cardinals and Rams are effectively playing for their playoff lives. It's not entirely the way it is because if the Bears lose, then the Rams are in regardless. Uh, but then it's the Cardinals playing. So if you're a Bears fan, which I think we should all be, let's get back to that framing. You're playing the Packers. If you beat the Packers, you're fucking in the playoffs. It's not. I think that makes them the seven seed. We'll look at that uh, here in just a second. If the Bears lose, it would suck. Uh, but they're in the playoffs still if the Cardinals lose to the Rams, who are going to be in desperate fucking ration mode. Uh, what is the situation here with the Bears? So the Bears... The Rams' backup quarterback is John Wolford. The Rams' backup quarterback is John Wolford. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Wow. So much can happen here. Uh, so let's look at, and again, this is all on the fly. It's happening just after the game. You know, cut, cut me a break here. Let's look at the playoff picture and... So that means the Bears would play. They're the, the number seven seed. So they would be. The seven seed would play the two seed. That would be the Saints, most likely. Saints are the Seahawks. I'm sure this is going to get figured out here shortly. And if they were the six seed. Okay, so it's. It's almost certain to be the Saints or the Seahawks because the Buccaneers are going to be playing the NFC East winner. Full stop. What looks like full stop. Lucky sums, bitches. Hmm. Anyways, as I just fall down a rabbit hole and stop talking for a second, I don't really care about the playoffs in terms of who the matchup is and where it is and how it falls out and what the timing is. And it's almost certainly going to be the Saturday night. Nobody wants to watch this game. Doesn't matter. Really, this is all about just getting a ticket to the dance, ladies and gentlemen. And for the Bears to do that, they have it on a silver platter. They have multiple chances. They can beat their rival and go marching through the front door into the playoffs and potentially knock the Packers out of the one seed and make them play an extra week of football. God, it'd be so delicious. I almost want it too bad. And if they lose it and it's a Chris Conte situation and I kick the fucking sofa with my toe like I did that year and break it, uh, you know what? The Bears still might be in the playoffs. If the Rams, the desperate Rams, and uh, soon to be the new coming of Kurt Warner, John Wolford, if I got that right. I've never heard of John Wolford. Who is John Wolford? Backup quarterback to the Rams, John Wolford, replaces Jared Goff and commandeers the Rams' offense into a victory against the Arizona Cardinals. The Bears will still be in it. All right, I can't get it out of my head. Who is John Wolford? John Wolford, QB. John Wolford, I played college at Wake Forest. All right, hey. Wake Forest has got a good program. He's 6'1", 2", oh my god. This guy doesn't look like a quarterback. Uh, he's a rookie. He's 25. Um, now let's go to the wiki because NFL.com doesn't know shit about this guy. 
Oh, uh, maybe he's not. Okay. Um, as a pro-style quarterback, he was rated a three-star recruit by Rivals.com and ESPN and committed to play college football at Wake Forest. He was briefly the all-time leader in all major, st major statistical passing categories for high school football in the state of Florida. Hey, that's not nothing. After going undrafted in the 2018 draft, he was a UDFA with the Jets. He played most of a preseason finale against the Eagles, going 8-for-20 with 89 yards and a pick, and then he was cut. Then he went to the Arizona Hotshots, who drafted him with their second-round pick in the 2019 AAF QB draft. That league lasted like four weeks, right? Uh, yeah. He did lead uh, his team to a 38-22 win over the Salt Lake Stallions, though. Hey, he was the offensive player of the week, week one in that league. Well, shit, we got something here. Uh, and then the Rams signed him in 2019 after the AAF shut it down. He was waived during roster cuts last year, but signed a practice squad. It looks like he's been practice squatting with them ever since. Is that possible? Rams depth chart. We got to figure this out, man. I know. Yeah. The Rams. I. What a. Are they crazy? Yeah. Jared Goff, starter. Second. Their, their backup is John Wolford. End of list. That's it. That's it. So. Shit. I, I for one, was feeling really confident that the Rams were the better team than the Cardinals. And losing two games with dick kicks against the Jets and then the Seahawks would lead them to really, really man up and have their talent, their superior talent, knock the Cardinals out of the playoffs. Aaron Donald in the face of Kyler Murray, um, Jalen Ramsey lurking on the edge. Man, that, that actually is a game changer for the Bears here. That's a lot of a lot of news to take in in one pause of the podcast. Um, shit. So now it becomes all the more critical that the Bears beat Aaron Rodgers and uh, the Packers. Again, in Chicago, but doesn't matter. That's how it was in the weeks. It's amazing how much this is beginning to feel like the 2012 game against the Packers. 2012, week 17, Packers, Bears. Okay, it, wait, it, it wasn't, it's not 2012, it's 2013. December 29th, 2013. And it's Randall Cobb. Oh, man. I just reliving this sucks. Well, on the bright side, the Bears have a better safety than Chris Conte. And the uh, the Packers have a worse wide receiver, too, than uh, Randall Cobb was at that point in time. Dude, I remember that play. I remember it. Julius Peppers was right there and had Aaron Rodgers, and then he makes this unbelievable throw. And Chris Conte blows the coverage, and I was actually in Greece at the time, humble brag. I was at my girlfriend's place visiting her family and managed to have, like, on the worst Greek Wi-Fi of all time, watch this play, watch the touchdown, and then have it freeze right as Randall Cobb was going into the end zone and just watching a spinning ball in the middle of the screen and uh, seeing that the, the referee's hands were up and just staring at that moment in perpetuity. Horrible memory. Anywho, it's going to be a really fun game next week. Uh, I wonder what the early line is. I suppose we can look that up. Oh, we can't because we're playing a game right now and it's not decided. I would say games in Chicago. Uh, I'm going to put the Green Bay Packers by four and a half is my guess early on here. Uh, Packers favored by four and a half. We'll see what that looks like here going forward. And the implications are massive. The, like, the implications not just for this season that I've gone over at nauseum, but for Mitch Trubisky's future in the NFL, for Matt Nagy with the Bears, for, to a lesser extent, Ryan Pace. My feeling is that Ryan Pace's future should be decided already, and if it's not, it says more about the Bears than it does about anything else. Uh, you have more than enough to work with and beating up on a bunch of fourth graders at the end of a season and creeping into the playoffs at eight and eight or nine and seven uh, shouldn't really affect that. But um, tangent, there are now six GM openings this off season in the NFL. And just from a dearth of um, candidates, I, I'm not sure the bears are going to have a better option to move to this off season 
and with them stacking up these wins now, I think we should start to emotionally prepare ourselves for Nagy and Ryan Pace being back next year and where their draft pick is now headed. I think it's more likely than not that the bears push into improving the offensive line, the depth on the team, turning over certain positions and finding a QB to compete with Nick Foles at the position that's probably like one of these Ryan Tannehill-y kind of guys, whether it's Jameis Winston. Uh, I, I, for one, have Jameis Winston signing with the New Orleans Saints after Drew Brees retires at end of year. But Jameis Winston, um, Sam Darnold, if the Jets cut him loose. Uh, who else? Who else is out there that, you know, would be worth having in for the competition? Um it's not going to be Carson Wentz. I see Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz going back unless some team decides they want to absorb that Wentz contract. Can't see it happening. Minnesota's on Kirk. Raj up there. Matty Stafford, hard to see a trade within the division. Hard to see the Bears having the trade capital and it being worth them to go for that. I see Matty Stafford going to a team like the 49ers uh, this offseason or the Rams or something like that if they want to get crazy. Uh, Seattle, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, if he gets cut loose, look, there is a little bit of a surplus of QBs in the NFL right now. That doesn't mean that they're good, but there are a number of names out there that when the musical, when the music is stops and the, the chairs are sat and there's going to be a few guys standing that might see the bears as an opportunity. If the only competition they have is, uh, Nick Foles. And I say all this to reiterate to management who definitely listens to this before they do anything else on their workday. Mitch is done in Chicago. Don't be fooled by this. This isn't a winning formula. God bless the dude. He's a good guy. He's not a winning quarterback. And if they get into the playoffs and they win not one, but two games and get into the NFC championship with Mitch Trubisky, Maybe we can revisit this. Let's slow the fucking train down. Let's try to beat the Packers just the once, and then we can move on to the week after that. For now, it is a slam dunk, no doubt. Get the fuck out of here. Shut the hell up for mentioning it. He is gone at end of season. The ship should have sailed. I don't care that he swam back to shore. Mitch is out in Chicago. Ah, I don't even want to hear anything else about this. It's done. It is done. Anyways, go Bears. Really good game by Mitch today. Really good game by the team. Uh, really happy that they won. <laughs> uh, look, back to where I started, where I was with Ricky last week, which is all I wanted was complimentary football, uh, a few good plays, entertaining play on the field, and the an air of competency that allows for anything to happen on any given Sunday. That's where we are, man. And at the end of the season... It's more likely than not that, yeah, I think at this point you'd say more likely than not that Matt Nagy will have gone 12 and 4, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, and have two playoff appearances under his belt, which is fucking crazy. And it's a completely unfireable record, even though he's struggled to an incredible degree in managing this team. Really, truly unbelievable. What a life in purgatory we, we experience here uh, as Bears fans. I think that's it. I think that's all of my ramblings for the day. Again, the Bears did what they had to do. We uh, needed them to do it, and they delivered 41-17 to over the absolutely hapless Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that none of us will remember in a few years' time. It is simply a precursor to Sunday against the Packers, Week 17 for a ticket to the motherfucking playoffs. Let's Go!
If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.